Welcome to The Dead Format, episode 48. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, 70-card limited player Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. Still got milled out. So you're saying you put 70 cards in your deck because it was a mill deck you're playing against? Yeah. Well, I don't want to talk too much about Providence, but I had a blast. I played with Mike Rapp and JT, and in round one, I played against a triple Ashiok deck. And in game three, I got the go-ahead for my teammates to board all of my playable creatures in the colors I was playing in and even out the mana. So I played a 70-card deck against my opponent whose only win conditions were Ashiok, and I still got milled out. Bro, somebody had to get the three Ashiok pull, right? It It was brutal. And I was thinking about when you said 70 cards, I was wondering if sleeves were the constraint in that situation, but I guess it was creatures. I I felt like I didn't want to board in my entire deck. So I only boarded in what I felt was playable and then the mana to make it work. Yeah. So that's why we ended up bumping up to 70. Obviously, I could have gone longer, but I think that would have just drawn the round. So if I was playing for a draw, everything would have gone in. Yeah. So I also played, we should tell everybody in case people aren't aware, uh, we had a Grand Prix just down the road from us in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, which is actually probably about 50 miles away, but in America, 50 miles isn't that far. And we had, I I was able to play with uh, our buddies Topher and Adam, a great team. It was our first time playing together as a team, and we had a really good time. And, you know, a lot goes into choosing a team. Like, you know, you've, you've had the same teammates for a long time. Uh, and you guys seem to get along really well and do well together. Uh, I had them fill out a questionnaire because you know you need to you need to find out how people where people land on the big issues. You know, like are uh, are you an INFP? Or I'm trying uh, I'm trying to think of like the psychological profile. Uh, I'm, I, I'm INTP actually, but okay. I was being sarcastic. I I don't I don't know what that means. Oh well, yeah. Anyway, I had to find out. You know. How they felt about Brexit, what their uh, what temperature they like their coffee, how they feel about Miller Light, what temperature they like their Miller Light for that matter, and we crushed a lot of Miller Lights on Saturday night, man. They they stayed over my place. Actually, they stayed in the guest room that I'm recording in right now, and I keep the Jameson under the bed, under the mattress, and it's it's actually empty now. Like I just took a couple big swigs and it's gone. So either I record, I drank a lot more than I thought last week when we recorded with Marcus. Or Adam got into this when he was sleeping in this room. So I think it, it might have it might have been both. But I had <laughs> to I had to go get another bottle of whiskey today because I finished off what I had been drinking. So yeah, I feel like this is our first episode, man, because we're recording right now and I didn't go to work today. This is like the one time we're recording on a Monday that I didn't go to work and didn't do the show notes during my lunch break. And it's warm. I'm actually recording with uh, with no shirt on in my non-temperature controlled uh, guest room. Uh, so that's for our female listeners or listener, maybe. That no, they they don't want to see that. I actually know our female listener, and they definitely don't want to see that. So, <laughs> so we um blah. I woke up this morning, mowed the lawn, got a bunch of stuff together for my kid, but it was it was a super busy weekend, especially with Providence. And I got a bunch of schoolwork to catch up on tomorrow, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, dude, you're the the master and the student right now, right? Oh, uh, it's crazy. I'm so the 
the way that the summer semesters work at my school is there are six week uh, terms where you have six hours of class a week and the actual like out of school workload is the same as it would have been during the regular semester. So I have four or five hours of homework to do per class that I'm taking two classes of right now. So I have 12 hours in the classroom plus an extra 10 hours outside of work plus regular work and then playing playing in the Grand Prix in Providence this weekend. Yeah, it's pretty brutal, bro. I, I don't know how you're doing it. And you're still editing the cast for those wondering. Yeah, barely. I think the last <laughs> few weeks have been a, all right, I'm going to make sure that the cast sounds okay, but any of the of the extra stuff that I had been doing, I uh, it's just we're going we're going very natural, bare bones <laughs> editing, at least until at least until the middle of August. Nice. I actually went back and listened to our episode with Truckus that we recorded last week in, in its entirety, which uh, I don't always do, but I, I missed like so much of what he said. There were a lot of good nuggets of wisdom in that episode. If anybody hasn't listened to it, and you're interested in playing blue combo decks or just blue in general or magic in general even he, he was an incredibly knowledgeable dude it was great to have him as a guest too absolutely i i was pumped that we got a chance to talk to him and i was very happy that we didn't get any hate mail from our <laughs> swedish contingent when uh you talked about freedom units and buying <laughs> buying sheep well yeah i'm, I'm sorry marcus all right. hanging, out with, hanging out with Adam and uh, Topher this weekend, though, it made me really want to be a, a grinder barnacle turd again, or at least it made me miss it a little bit, like playing in a GP, like not Legacy. I, I enjoyed it, man. It was it was fun competing. And I actually went back for the MCQ on, on Sunday and uh, had a decent run, but I lost in round four to the daddy, our previous guest, Kevin Jones, who actually ended up winning the MCQ. So I just wanted to shout him out real quick. That's outstanding. I can't believe that you went back. And were, was a sort of dirty on board Wizards of the Coast. Played, you went back to play in an MCQ. Oh, bro, I love this format. I cannot get enough of it. Like, I, I'm, I'm eating it alive. And actually, I went I went 4-1 or whatever, and I, that's good for a box, man. I didn't realize. They give you more than a box. I got, like, a box and, and a, like, a master's pack out of it. All right. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, man. I, I just really love this format, though. But... All right, so we had quite a few new patrons sign up, and um, another announcement that we're going to make when we get toward the end of this. So we didn't make the announcement for patrons last week, and I apologize for that. We were talking with Truckus, and I just I kind of forgot about it. Or the but, week before, for that matter. Is What's that your true? Excuse for that one. Let's get the let's get the uh, excuse for two weeks ago, bro. Oh well, listen. This goes back to May fifteenth. Is May. <laughs> Yeah, that's two weeks ago. Okay, so I have no idea what happened the week before that. But (laughs) we had James Lubbers, John Vanilla, Matt Harrison, or or it could be Harrison Matthew. Probably that. Okay, could be that. Eric Letonin? I really hope I didn't fuck that up. I think that's an old school player, man. I feel like I recognize that one. Okay, then, then maybe I didn't. We had Brainstorm Fetch sign up. I have no idea what this person's name is, but their patron name is awesome. And Daniel Cahall, who is the sort of steward of the Community Legacy League, 
And they have a free event coming up the first week of June that you can check out their Twitter for. They're doing prizes for the event. I think it's sponsored by Card Hoarder, although I could be wrong. It might have... It, it used to be. It used yeah. to be. It might not be anymore, but they have a sponsor and they're giving away prizes. And you can find the information at MTG Legacy League. And you can find the information there. And just real quick, if anybody doesn't know how that works, you you sign up, like, it's off Magic Online, you get the pairings, and then you go, like, request the uh, casual match on Moto. So you actually got into playing Legacy on Moto, playing in the CLL, if I'm not mistaken. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I started, I, I played Limited on Moto, and I never wanted to, to sort of manage two collections. And I started to play in the CLL just to sort of work my way into playing in constructed and built up built up my collection from there. And but now I don't have to do that with Mana Traders. Mana Traders is great. Mana Traders is great, but you can play suboptimal stuff in the CLL is what I'm trying to get at. Like if somebody doesn't have a collection, you could build a legacy deck for five dollars or whatever, you know? And just hang out and have fun and it's free. Yeah, and actually Marcus was talking last week about like the most affordable legacy decks online. I don't know you know, how much they cost, but I'm pretty sure that the, the some decks are really pretty cheap on Moto. Yeah, I would highly recommend picking up High Tide and joining the CLL tournament June 12th. Rock and roll, man. All right. So we got a bunch of other stuff today. <sighs> yeah, we do. This was, uh, this, this is like me stepping back into Legacy. I, I, I've been in like limited mode for the past two or two or three weeks or whatever. And there's been so many spoilers that uh, Modern Horizons card, I don't know, preview, spoiler, whatever you want to call it, that I've sort of like looked at, but not really thought about too much. And there's also just the meta shifting after War of the Spark that I've been thinking a lot about, but not playing a lot with. So I've got a backlog of like 10 decks I want to try right now. Yeah, the... Oh, man. So War of the Spark, everything hasn't settled from... Modern Horizons is coming out soon, and there's going to be quite a bit of shakeup from that. We don't really have a super competitive event until September. Like, there's the Leaving a Legacy tournament and the Moonbase Market tournament coming up between now and Syracuse, the Star City Syracuse and Grand Prix Atlanta. But this summer is really just going to be brewing, testing, seeing what people are enjoying playing with online and in paper and i don't think we're really going to get any any super settling until after the grand prix yeah i'm not even sure how much anything's ever going to settle anymore man with with like the number of cards that are coming in in uh war of the spark the number of cards that came in and the number of cards that are coming in with with modern horizons also i wanted to say real quick there's scg con i think is next week that's kind of a big tournament but Oh, that, I actually, I completely forgot about that. But that's pre-Modern uh, Horizon, so even if it settled a bit with that event, it's about to get shaken up again, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, that is a big event uh, coming up real soon. But we have uh, we have all these cards coming in, and everybody has their own opinion, and, you know, playing different lists with different iterations. Like, when you think about decks like Blue-Red Delver, or even like Grixis Delver at this point, or Miracles, it's like so many slots now are like pilot preference because there's different ways to build the decks that are 
equally valid and, and just depend on, you know, what you expect to see or what you like to play or, you know, your own personal theory. And there, we're not pounding on legacy the way that we were, you know, two, three years ago uh, for various reasons, you know, just a lack of large events and stuff. I feel like all these lists are just, just getting like more and more fragmented, right? Yeah. And I think there, there's consolidation that happens when you see a list that's played by a big name player or, yeah. You have a big event that happens, but in the absence of that, you do just start to see a lot more variation. So it's yeah, it's dude. exciting. It's wild. I was talking to a lot of people about that this weekend, actually. There were a lot of legacy players that I saw in Providence, even though I wasn't able to play any legacy. And a lot of them were like, oh, you know, talking about Dreadhorror Arcanist, especially, or that new Force of Will in uh, Modern Horizons. Uh, you know, just wanted to know about you know, cards like that, what, what we thought about those cards. And there, there's really a lot of ways to take different decks right now. And I don't know, do you want to talk about Modern Horizon spoilers? We've only got like half of them, I want to say. So I I want to wait until we have the full spoilers. And I actually want to, I want to bring you back to another wager that we had. Oh, where God. we set the over-under on Modern Horizons playable cards for Legacy. So did you go back and listen to that? Well, I know that we set the over under at nine and a half. So yeah. when the full spoiler's out, we're going to have to have a a little powwow where we break down these cards and determine whether or not they're legacy playable or not. Yeah, so I went back and listened to that. And we had, up in Syracuse, you and I were arguing about Baleful Strix, and we were walking to the event center with Jerry, and Jerry was on my side with Baleful Strix. But then you... Me saying that it was fine for, for Modern or that it would be in Horizons or something along those lines, whatever. And then we started talking about like the number of legacy cards that could be in the set. And I think Jerry was on the, the lesser side, but I, I didn't really have an opinion on it one way or another. And that's what I said when we went to make the wager. And that's why I upped the number to take a, an acceptable under. But I think if you count the Canopy Lands as five cards, there's no way it's under anymore, right? I, I agree, and I think that in my mind, since since that is a cycle, and it, it's kind of cheating to, to use a cycle as an over-under, right. I, I feel like we, we can count that as one. Yeah, so I feel like uh, it's really going to come down to the definition, right? Because like, uh, like what's going on right now with, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example of a card. Dreadhorde Arcanist isn't exactly a great example because a lot of people are, are jamming it in different archetypes. Well, yeah, different when, archetypes. when we get into the challenge, I, I'm i willing to admit that I was wrong about Arcanist. Okay. Just, just with the, the sheer amount that it's popping up. But yeah. I, I think that we're going we're gonna to have some nitpicking cards that definitely have legacy implications in fringe decks, yeah. like the Goblin Artifact Tutor creature that could see play in something like painter but uh we'll we'll talk about that when we get full spoilers and we'll make sure that we incorporate that into an episode in a few weeks i think risk factor is actually a good example of what i'm talking about like where where we talked about whether it was legacy playable and then it did show up in lists that did reasonably well but then it's fallen off right and i feel like it was always a a valid one-off to put in a deck like i totally think that it would earn its spot as a one of in like a blue red Delver deck the way they were being constructed then. 
but I, I don't think that it's like a legacy, like a that that tier. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, that it isn't a staple card like the it's like a, yeah. Like I don't I we'll talk like about this flex, more. It's like a valid flex choice, right? I but, I understand the yeah. the fetch land. A mm. lot of people have some very varying opinions on it, <laughs> but man, I think that card is great. Yeah, I think, well, I think that is just straight up legacy staple, and we we'll talk about it later. But I know some people that have called <laughs> that card have called that card absolutely unplayable. And do you, do you have any screenshots to prove this? I listen. I I've got plenty. Hard. I yeah. <laughs> I, hard, I love it. Hard man. disagree. I'm using it as kind of a litmus test right now because it, it's so obviously playable in certain spots, right? That you're like, come on this card is is really pretty cool and I'm, I'm glad that they did it because we've talked about having something like this for quite a while but i'm glad that they did it and it does one, one thing that i'm really excited about is it fetches waste right so it opens up some space for like uh not just white eldrazi uh our buddy in the discord now uh that riggins dude it was uh talking about how he's playing ash barons and white eldrazi prior to the printing of this card and it opens up space for a fetch land if you're playing like planes and wastes, or even to go into another color in in like a, one of those Eldrazi decks. So I'm looking forward to that. Me too. I'm looking forward to talking about it. I have so many opinions on what it goes into and what it changes, but we're gonna wait until we can talk about everything. So the planeswalker too, I'm really excited about. But yeah, let's just move on, I guess. Let's let's get into this challenge. Hmm. So Memorial Day today, we had the day off, obviously, of work. You're you're a teacher. I'm a I'm a software developer. No no work today. So we first of all I got to golf, which was awesome. But Wizards uh, notoriously sometimes does not post the challenge on Monday. There's like some sort of hiccup, right? Like where we have to record without any challenge data or just like word of mouth about who top aided or whatever. This week, when nobody's in the office, when it's Memorial Day, they post a fucking challenge at 10 a.m. How does that work, bro? Interns. <laughs> Interns. We got to get an intern. <laughs> All right. In first place in the challenge, who took first in the challenge, bro? Uh, Actually, Jack Kendall, one of our patrons, Elf Aficionado, if you wanted to follow this person on Twitter... Their Twitter handle is at JJKBB2005. And they play a lot of Legacy. And uh, they took down this week's challenge with Archon Elves. So they were playing Archon of Valor's Reach. And actually, like, quite a bit more lands. I shouldn't say quite a bit more, but they're playing a full 20 lands. When usually Elves dips down a little bit, and averages 18. So there there must be reasons why this... Uh... Damn, does it really average 18? Yeah, I mean, most most of the elves lists I've seen have played 18 lands. So, okay. uh... Yeah, you're probably right. I, I never really looked too hard at it, but I would have guessed 19. Uh, so, yeah, that is interesting. That is a, a lot more lands then. There's only one Pendlehaven... But there are three basic forests and six fetches. No, eight fetches. That's the difference right there. Maybe maybe I'm just wrong. Okay. I'm probably just wrong. I think I'm just wrong. 
<laughs> Whatever, bro. Yeah, just so, never mind. Forget our kind of values. Forget reaches. everything that I just said about that. Because <laughs> we're not gonna have time to edit, so that's staying in. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so wrong. The reason why I thought that it was 18 is because the the list uh, the list that I were looking at had Dryad Arbor grouped with the creatures. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. I'm dumb. Basically, that's what it comes down to. So our Archon of Valor's Reach, you called it Archon Elves, and Archon's a one-off, Archon of Valor's Reach. It's from Battleground, maybe? Battlebond. Uh, Battlebond, there we the go. The set that you have a bunch of unopened packs of in your in your drawer. I showed Adam and Toe for those packs, actually, and I have another box in the closet, too. But uh, Archon of Valor's Reach is four green-white for a creature Archon. Flying Vigilance Trample, and when it enters the battlefield, choose Artifact Enchantment Instant, instant Sorcery or Planeswalker, and players can't cast spells of the chosen type. It's a 5-6 Flying Vigilance Trample for 6. So this, the presence of one card usually doesn't change like you know the prefix of an archetype, like Archon Elves. But do you want to like kind of go into to why that changes in this case, just like at the top theory level? Well, so for for elves, the fact that they have the green suns and natural orders, the inclusion of a one of green creature in the main deck can really slant some matchups. And elves isn't really known as a super interactive deck. Yeah, they have a lot of discard that's coming out of the sideboard. And they have some combat tricks that they can pull with their bounce with creatures that can bounce and uh and things like that, but Archon really gives them a way to sort of play like a prison strategy where if you're playing against a one-dimensional deck, tutoring that up can absolutely cripple your opponent. Whether it's a blue-based cantrip deck and shutting down their instance, whether it's a planeswalker-based deck that you just shut down their planeswalkers. And even if you name something like a sorcery, you can still use the Archon to pressure planeswalkers because it's a five six flying trample creature yeah exactly that's that's what i was trying to get at is you can shut down like those one-dimensional decks you can play like a prison strategy it gives you you know how people talk about like main board uh graveyard hate that was the death right shaman this is kind of like what what they lost in death right shaman they're kind of gaining that equity back in this card having it as a tutor target because you can, like, if you're paired against, like, let's say, black-red or something, and you're on the play, blissfully, somehow you, you have enough time to get this out, right? You do have at least some game. That might not be the best example, because you're probably still getting run over game one. But Yeah, I mean, and the the sort of trade-off between having that, that card in that slot is the one of Crater Hoof. Yeah. Usually, usually Elves is running two to mitigate the drawing the crater hoof off the top when you have the natural order and you're all set to win. Yeah, that was interesting because we used to see like progenitus, which I haven't actually seen in a while now, but uh, th- it's not really valid anymore. You're so used to seeing two crater hoofs at this point in time, right? And I kind of expected that this list would have two hoofs and, and a Archon of Valor's Reach, but I guess there's just not, not any place in the deck, right? Because it's a critical mass deck. I think that's the idea. Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool, man. And obviously he's doing really well. Jack was able to take home first place in the challenge with it. So that's awesome. Uh, second place, uh, Cartesian with Grixis Delver with four Dreadhorde Arcanists. Man, and- there, there was a lot of this card. 
in this challenge, and I freely admit that I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I guess I am too. I mean, I, I still haven't played with the card, so I really need to get on that, and I will this week uh, after Arcbo is first on my list of cards I want to play, but it's definitely second. So this deck, there's a card in here, Haze of Rage, that I've never seen before. Do you know this one? Uh, I'm looking at it right now. So it's it's one in a red for a sorcery from Eyeball, and it has buyback, and creatures you control get plus one, plus zero until end of turn. So that's a way to pump up Arcanist to be able to flashback a two-mana cost spell, which there are only this spell, again, or Echoing Truth, which is a two-of in this deck, which I... I we saw last week somebody had a. It was it was Cartesian again, and we, okay. I remember we were talking to Lawrence about it yeah, off the yeah. cast, You're right. and he's like, "Man, I have no fucking idea." Yeah, gotcha. So yeah, it's an answer to Chalice, but it, it's Echoing Truth is just a very versatile card, right? And being able to flash it back, uh, you have this Haze of Rage to to be able to pump your Arcanist. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and it, it allows you to sort of close out a game with the Pyromancer tokens. So yeah. I know that Haze of Rage saw play in some sort of token-based combo deck that Saffron Olive was playing at one point. Oh, really? But I, I had never, I'd never seen it make its way into Legacy. Yeah, definitely, man. I've never seen this card before, so it's pretty cool. I, I always wonder, like, is this the most efficient version of this effect, right? And this one seems pretty efficient. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with that. So, is there anything else in this list you want to talk about? Other than the fact that this Arcanist list finished second, everything else is kind of straightforward. It's strange that you see a Delver deck like this have a mountain in the sideboard. That's not generally something that you see out of a deck that's try- trying to play a game like this. But everything else is, is fairly straightforward. Yeah, that is interesting. And also back to basics over Blood Moon, right? I thought that that was interesting. And I'm not really sure what the uh, what the logic on that one is. I think that it's specifically because they want to keep access to their own fetch lands. Although, I, although I'm probably very wrong about that. No, you could be right. I don't know. So uh, third place we had, I get Death and Taxes. Uh, very traditional death and taxes build. I would say like a no nonsense build. We've got one factory, one flagstones, one ancient tomb, which doesn't even really merit uh discussion anymore because that's just what you see now. Like like you always say, ancient tomb is card advantage land. Bro, it's like, awesome. You, you play it, and you're up a card because it makes two mana. So good. I I love ancient tomb, and I hate ancient tomb. Uh, but fourth place, uh, we get into a little bit of meat here. This is this is like blue white blade with uh, a good finish. I'm sorry, I should call it blue white red blade because it's a volcanic island deck. But this is a uh, two Narset along with two J. So this is blue white blade incorporating Narset, and we've kind of been waiting for a finish like this, right? Yeah, and I I I felt like as soon as I saw this list, it would be something that you would be all over. <laughs> because there's a lot of there's a lot of three ofs, there's a lot of two ofs, there's some one ofs. <laughs> this is this is what I feel like you would want to be doing as a stone blade, stone blade player. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I was talking to Topher. He's been playing Stoneblade, too. I was talking to him a lot about this kind of stuff this weekend. And to Narset, man, this this player has three Stoneforge, three Snapcaster, three True Name as their creature base. I was willing to even go down to two True Name to accommodate Narset on the curve. But I, I understand how you how you get to three because it's just such a good card, right? Yeah, but, if, if you're yeah. playing a bunch of blue legacy matchups narset narset's great everybody everybody understood how powerful leovold was and now you don't have that three color requirement anymore to get the main benefit this this is a player who i really have a big affinity for whoop orc by the way is the player three source of plowshares man that's uh and two two dovin's veto now two dovin's veto in the sideboard for for the record okay yes yeah what were you gonna say? I was I was gonna make a make a whoop whoop reference and ask if that's the reason why you have an affinity for this player. Is that some kind of superhero thing? No, I, I feel it's a. Uh, I I was wondering if you were you were a juggalo. <laughs> oh, I don't even know, man. Okay, okay, good. We can still be friends. <laughs> Bro, there's a superhero. I I was just watching the Bruins, and during the first period, there was like a uh, commercial for a. Not a movie, uh, Amazon original. It was like a look like a superhero thing. Do you know what this is? It was called like Good Omens or maybe Bad Omens. No, I I have, literally okay. have no idea. I didn't know if it was like one of those superhero things. It looked pretty cool actually. But fifth place, we've also got uh, a Narset deck. Now this one is is pretty fucking wild. This is blue red Delver, but not. Blue Red Delver, like we've been talking about recently, this is like the low to the ground, uh, Chain Lightning, Terramander. Blue Red Delver circa the beginning of April, I would say, like like whenever Syracuse was, basically, or, or uh, March, I mean. And not like a true name getting bigger sort of Blue Red Delver list is what I'm trying to say. But this has two Narset in the main and one Narset in the sideboard. So... Completely foregoing True Name Nemesis to accommodate Narset. Yeah, I don't know about that. I know they finished fifth, but <laughs> seven. Okay, seventeen land, three of them being wastelands. Yep. Having three wastelands. Yeah, all of this stuff to like to put pressure on early with the Delver and Terramander and Pyromancers and Arcanists, right? Yeah. And then two Narsets just thrown in there. Slow it down. Well, so Narset is kind of a tempo card, though, right? Because you have to spend what? time. You have to spend time removing it, and you kind of lock them into place for for at least a turn, possibly a, a uh, second turn beyond that. I feel so like I can, this is like the most opposite of a tempo card that you could make. I don't know, man, because it's like okay, let's say you're playing against I don't know, whatever, controlish deck. Like let's say. You're playing against. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example, like a game state miracles game thing. Yeah, I guess miracles. I'm trying to think of why they would tap two though on turn two. I guess they could jam a counterbalance or something. But let's say that you're in that scenario and then you play Narset and they don't have any action. They're, they need to find action. They have like a ponder or a brainstorm in hand or something along those lines, right? Then they're stuck having to worry about your your Narset. It for you know some period of time where they're locked under their hand that really isn't the best example but that that's sort of where i got to with like why 
Narcissus tempo card, if you feel me. Okay, yeah, like you can you can jam it, and it puts your opponent into a wor- uh, into a bad spot. And it's not extending into a, a future terminus, right? Because it's not getting wrathed. So it's kind of like a, a different axis in that regard, where true name is just another card to get swept up if you do get supreme verdict or whatever. Okay, but I I would argue that with a with a game plan like this, you might be better off trying to run something like a vortex. Yeah, dude, 100%. I'm not sold on this at all. I'm just saying where I think this person is coming from. I got you. Yeah, I I definitely cannot classify Narset as a tempo card. I understand. <laughs> I understand what you're saying, but the mana base to cast this on turn 3 to like curve out to do it. Yeah. Means probably sacrificing some of your early cantrips to find land when like that's not really what this deck is trying to be doing. Yeah. So Speaking of Terminus, though, in sixth place, Asuka 66 with uh, two Narsets in Miracles. Yeah, and this is a three counterbalance in the main, which I feel like is the, the primary divergence of this deck. Like, if usually you're seeing, like, max two. Yep. But, uh, yeah, three counterbalance in the main. But there's three Mentor and three Snapcaster and uh, three Terminus, no Verdict. So, but other than that, it's, it's pretty much what you'd expect out of Miracles, like two Pierce... You know, full the two counter spell, full four plows, that sort of thing. And yeah, in the sideboard there is uh, three total blast effects and two back to basics. But yeah, this is pretty much this is pretty close. Like exactly what you were saying, it's pretty close to what you'd expect for like default splashing red miracles right now. All right, off the fucking deep end. <laughs> you you got this one, bro. Ah, oh, I still, I feel like Jerry crippled this man. <laughs> I, I, like I feel like theory, we have, man. we have like a Har- Harvey Dent divergence right now. And yep. Yep. the side of JPA's face is melted off and he's just <laughs> doing some crazy shit. You got to read this list. I, w- I want to feel your pain as you read it. All right. So we have an Esper Delver mentor list (laughs) where the only creatures are delver and mentor and there's a four of for each we have a planeswalker package that's like reminiscent of the miracles builds playing multiple walkers with two jace two narset two teferi yep a discard package of an inquisition and three thought four ponder four brainstorm four days for force Four Swords to Plowshares and two Liliana's Triumph. Beautiful. And a mana base that supports it. The, I, th- I feel like the mana base is Yeah, fine. the mana base is the Esper mana base. So it's what, two, two islands, one plains, one swamp. I, I don't know what to say here. <laughs> so there's, there's no Snapcaster Mage, nope. which you would, I don't know, traditionally expect to see in a deck that is... This color combination, playing Thought Season Inquisition along with Swords to Plowshares. Yep. There's two Liliana's Triumphs main without any Liliana Planeswalkers, which is fine. It's a, it's a solid no, there, there's card. There's one in the sideboard for what it's worth. Okay, none none in the main deck. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're right, though. Uh, it, it seems like a strange card to have in the main deck, but it... Certainly is a two of, yeah. I, I'm not sure what's going on here. 
there's a lot of different directions that this deck can go. But playing all these Planeswalkers in a Days deck... Fucking beautiful. It's tap out, it's tap out control, right? I kind of understand the no Snapcasters from that perspective because Snapcasters are three drop, right? It's it's a secret three drop when you're when you're working out your curve. Yes. Like, like sometimes you do ambush wiper with it, but it's it's basically a three. You already got four mentors, two Teferis, and two Narciss on three. So you're kind of committed to going in with the mana, right? And you're a days days four stack. You're you're like a tap out control deck, man. This is I kinda I kinda get that aspect of it. I guess I understand why no snapcasters given the mentors, the narsets, and the Teferis at three. But I would also feel like maybe maybe something like Cabal Therapy fits in pretty well here. Yeah, um, dude. I like that. But they they're doing they're doing some work. And this, I'm loving this sideboard. Oh yeah, the sideboard. So, so there's three hymns and two lingering souls for when you just need to grind the fucking fair decks into the ground, and then a last hope too should fit in that. And then you get access to obviously the Esper cards you think of, like uh, Zealous Persecution, really is the the main draw, and then Disenchant and uh, Council's Judgment. Yeah, and maybe I'm just wrong. But I feel like if you pull the Delvers and the Dazes out of this deck and then substitute in some of the sideboard cards, it just gets way better. It, that, that's what I would want to be playing, but that's so hungry, you know what I mean? But I, it does it really does go in two directions when you're playing Delver and then going up to three and four on most of your, most of your other spells, right? Yeah, especially Daze with, with fours. Yeah. Or maybe I shouldn't say that because I, I played a deck like that for a while. But days <laughs> days days with so many threes. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Uh so rounding out eighth place is QB Turtle fifteen with similar sort of planeswalker package, right? In uh in a deck that is more reminiscent of miracles, but really it's like blue white red control, I guess. Yeah, there's no Terminus, it has Verdict. One and verdict, if you look yeah. at the number of sweepers, there's there's only one in the main deck. Right, exactly. There's more hard counterspells, there's no counterbalance, but there's a there's a wider Planeswalker package. Yeah, so it's three Narset with one three-drop Teferi, and then there's two Jace and one of the five-drop Teferis. So seven total Planeswalkers. Uh, similar to that last deck we saw, but with a big Teferi in lieu of a small Teferi. Yeah, and this deck actually is playing Click Main with Caracas, so you get to live the Love dream it. of Narset and then Click Bounce. Yeah, or and, even yeah. better, Teferi with a Narset in play and bouncing your Click in the draw step. Ooh. Complete, complete lock. Yeah, unfortunately, you can only do that once every three turns or whatever, but that is Why? really sick, right? Is that what we're talking about? The little Teferi mana warring your permanent? No, I'm talking about Caracas bouncing your click, making the Teferi just makes it so they can't cast instants in their draw step. So they oh, draw- yeah, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying that you can using Teferi to, to set that up alternatively. Oh, you could, you definitely could also do that, but it's not a lock every turn. The Caracas makes it like that. Yeah, exactly. And there's also Jace bounce. You know, there's there's Teferi bounce. There's a lot of ways to bounce your your click. Is I guess what we're getting at. It's not just Caracas. 
but it, it's really pretty sick when you can lock their draw step like that. Have you ever heard of the card Oust? Yeah, uh, I played it in Standard. I'm pretty sure that it was Cobblade Era. What set is that, bro? Uh, it's the one white sorcery that like tucks a card. Yeah, it's it's World Wake, right? Could be, yeah. I'm looking at the Cadul deck version right now. Okay. Rise, sorry, Rise of the Eldrazi. Yep. So it's put target creature into its owner's library, second from the top, its controller gains three life. And this is uh, this person. So they're playing like a blue-white-red control, basically blue-white control with a red splash similar to what we see out of Miracles. We've got Red Blast and uh, Blood Moons and Cyborg. But this is like a... Uh, a fifth version of Source of Flashers, right? You usually see Path to Exile in this spot, but they're opting for Oust in this uh, in this space. And I'm not really sure how I feel about having a Sorcery there. I feel like there's a lot of basics around right now. Yeah. And getting getting a one-mana removal spell that doesn't ramp your opponent is just very solid. Yeah, so, th- that is true. I, I, I mean, Path never feels good, right? Yeah, and honestly, like... You you don't really have a need to 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 remove it instant speed with a deck like this. Like playing playing it on your main phase is fine. Yeah, if you're especially if you're locking them out of instant speed. Although I guess this is only a one to fury deck, right? But the the other thing is like I kind of expected depths to be a little resurgent right now because it's traditionally had like a, a pretty good matchup against the uh like the the decks that would be incorporating Karn right now, like the post-ish decks, right? But we're not seeing depths. Yeah, I I'm not tuned in to the depths community, so I I'm unprepared to answer that. We did have like, we didn't get to talk about the challenge last week because we recorded early, but we did have a bunch of death and taxes last week show up. So, you know, maybe it's not the best time for depths because of uh, the hotness of death and taxes. It could be. All right, so ninth. Yeah. Exactly Jerry's deck. Card for card. Card card for card. Main deck and sideboard. Yep. Yep, there it is. You guys play two defense grids? Yeah. Yep, that is... That is exactly his deck. We don't know, though, if this player used the literal worst possible arts for every card. You're absolutely right. Probably not. They probably have better taste. <laughs> but but it is the, it's the same list. Yeah, no no doubt. It is literally the same list. But before we exit the top eight, I just wanted to say that we, we do have to make this like a shorter cast than usual, so we're not going to do the deck dump tonight, which is why we're going into a few more of the challenge lists that we wanted to highlight. Uh, so, yeah. Continuing. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, what what do we have from here on down that you want to talk about? I want to talk about 11th. Really? Yeah. Fornia. Or Fornia or whatever. Alluren with two Narset. Yep. This is, this is a deck that I hadn't thought about really at all uh, in terms of like the, the new Planeswalker packages. And this isn't actually what I want to be thinking about is Alluren with two Narset. I want to be thinking about getting Teferi into Alluren. Hmm. Or, fo- or Food Chain, for what it's worth, right? 
like these these disruptable like blue creature combo decks right that that sometimes will will seem like they're they might be well positioned in the meta because people are sleeping on them and, and the meta moves in a certain direction i wonder if these which of these decks is more adaptable especially with recruiter in the guard now right and as opposed to imperial recruiter i wonder which of these decks if either of these decks could really benefit from using teferi yeah but like this deck like can and is actually playing leovold yeah which is cool and that's that's food chain too that's both those decks are like legitimate leovold decks when they come together which is like another reason why narset seems kind of odd to me is that what you're trying to get to no i i was just wondering why why they're playing narset yeah yeah no i i feel you totally man I, i i wonder though if like uh yeah, I'm just interested in the Teferi aspect, and this made me think about it, because I, I honestly had not thought about those two decks since those two cards got printed. Yo, is it is it insane that this deck is playing Blood Moon in the sideboard? <laughs> is it really? Yeah, well, it's playing Blood Moon in the sideboard off of the Splash Taiga in Volcanic Island in the main deck. That's really weird, man. Usually what you see is uh, Magus of the Moon, because it's tutorable. Okay. But yeah, that is that is pretty crazy because this is a one bayou, one taiga, one trap, one underground sea, uh, one volcanic island deck. So that Yeah, I, I don't know. Out. I don't know if I can get behind this, but uh yeah. Bro, you know what else? There are no dorks in this deck. There there's no uh bird of paradise. No bird of paradise, no noble hierarch, nothing to ramp out the Narset and the Leovold. That is interesting, man. I, I want to get my hands on this deck now and uh, and sort of iterate with Teferi and see where that, that goes. I, I'm kind of uh, kind of excited. I might have to add another list of the things I want to try this week. Birds of Paradise, Teferi, Aluren. Yes, dude. Right? Noble Hierarch, first of all, but yeah. Okay, you can play both. You can play both. Yeah, maybe well, maybe Eldritch Evolution. No, know, not I, not that hard. Never mind. I want to. I don't want to hoop them that hard. But yeah. Uh, yeah. For other shit in this challenge, thirteenth place, Anax Korax. I just wanted to point this out. Four Ingress Rampage in this Crixus Control deck, man. That's the sacrifice something. Yeah. So it's a sorcery speed, red and the black. Your opponent has has to either sacrifice you choose, but they have to sacrifice either a creature or a planeswalker or an artifact. It seems deep. It does seem deep, but I really love it. I don't love four, right? But I really love it as a one of like a, a main deck answer to chalice when they don't have like abrupt decay in this deck anymore now that they're not that greedy. I I guess with all of the new planeswalkers running around online, having a two cost way to remove a Narset, a Teferi, a Jace. Exactly, bro. That I can I can see why online right now this might be a great call. And I can totally see going up to two of them. Going up to four of them feels almost like uh like you're just super fucking pissed at these cards, right? Yeah, you are you are all in on playing the matchups where 
you're making people sacrifice planeswalkers, but when yeah. it's good, it's good. And I'm sure it's good against against the post decks with sacrifice and artifacts too, right? Like it if they go turn one monolith, you go turn two Angrass Rampage and set them back, you know? That is true. So it I it kinda is a card that goes in both directions. It's too bad it's not an instant. I, obviously it would be overpowered as an instant. Like, but you know, having it as a sorcery is is a pretty big drawback. So it is cool to see it showing up though, and I, I totally understand why this person got that got there. So that's as far as I got with the challenge. Is there anything else that you, you saw that you want to talk about? Oh bro, Krenko Tin Street Kingpin showed up. In, in a mono red stompy list yeah that's pretty cool we were talking about that maybe last week or the week before yeah i mean we knew we knew we were gonna see that sort of maybe replace one of the one of the cards the only yeah, what, the only well, thing that's really good the only thing that i saw that was like really crazy was the mono red sneak attack list that curtis played in 32nd place okay this Did you is, see uh, this list? Curt- this is Curtis from uh, DN Solver, Curtis? Yes, DN Solver with uh, the actual boar god in the main deck of the mono red sneak attack deck. Oh, dude, that, that makes total sense. Yeah, that's... that's We kind of pegged him for that role when we saw the spoiler, right? This, this is like a, the card for that deck. It's just like add-on six damage to whatever the fuck you were doing already. Because it's like a a sneak target and a, a sneak attack in one card. Yeah, absolutely. And we see we see no Chalice main deck, but we see four Trinisphere. Oh, I missed that part. Fuck. I like I like that a lot. That is pretty sick, man. Shit. Do you know what Sandstone Needle does? That's the the um counter depletion land that you get double red. Yep. Yeah. Exactly, bro. It. So there's one, there's four ancient tombs, four city traders, one crystal vein, and two sandstone needle. So this is like nine soul lands plus two sandstone needles, basically. This is all in on getting that that explosive turn two, I guess, turn one or turn two. Yep. Turn two, uh, really. Turn turn two is the turn. Yep. Yeah, this is this is pretty all in, man. And Curtis is it's pretty cool to see what he's doing because he's. He's quietly, like, uh, done a lot for a lot of different archetypes. So it's pretty interesting. He's looking in this direction now. I I agree with that. I don't know what what else to say about it. <laughs> you gonna play it at the next SCG? Well, so uh, okay. Pro probably not. I do have one thing I want to say about it that's actually really cool. I didn't notice at first. No chalice means you get to play three faithless looting and that's the red brainstorm right it is i mean like in a deck that's trying to go off on turn two hard yep play your mountain on turn one and loot and then play your soul end on turn two yeah but, against delver that's totally valid like play out a mountain you know like not not put a soul land at risk yeah out a mountain maybe maybe they counter your faithless looting because they don't know what's going on and that's gravy because they just burned a counter spell and you're the fucking sneak attack deck and then you get to hit him with the Trinisphere on the next turn. Yeah, no doubt, man. This is... I really like this. Fuck. <laughs> Alright, so 
that was all I had planned to talk about tonight. I want to tell a story real quick about the time that I, I won a game three on a multi three against Monterey Sneak Attack. All right, tell the story. I was, I was playing against one of these dudes from Maine that's friends with Topher and Adam, and I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize, I forget the person's name. And actually, I'm glad I forget it, because I don't want to put them on blast right now, but I know, obviously, I know I'm playing against Monterey Sneak, because it's game three. Uh, they had taken game one, I had taken game two in the sideboard, but I was on the play, and that was a lot easier. I was playing Bant, and they were on the play game, game three, so it was kind of like force check, you know, but... A lot of times in that matchup, you can psych yourself out if you're just thinking force check because sometimes they know that you're going to mulligan to that. So they keep a slower to develop hand and you keep a bad hand that has two force wells, right? So you kind of have to balance that. So a lot of times I will keep a good hand that doesn't have force of will in that matchup just because they don't always have it either. So anyway, uh, I keep... uh, a hand that was, uh, I went all the way down to three. And it's not because I was looking for forces. It was because I was getting my seven, six, and five had only wastelands as, as mana sources. Like they weren't keepable hands. And my four was like force, blue card, land, land, maybe. It, it was worse I, I 100% keep that four. I, I, no, I would have kept that four. That's not what it was. I don't remember <laughs> what the four was. But the three was Trop, Noble, Trop. So I, I stopped there, obviously. And I scribed and saw a tree named Nemesis on the top. <laughs> so they went Mountain Go. I slammed my Noble. They went Mountain Chalice. I, I drew my card, played my Trop and my true name. So I was Hellbent now with a Noble and a true name on board and two uh, two tropical islands and then they they went mountain blood moon so now i was under both of those doing four damage return with my true name and i just crossed my fingers and got underneath them and that was when i won on the mold of three yeah yeah i don't know man i i just thought of that when i was looking at this list so that that was i thought the story was going to be like way better no, it wasn't good at all. <laughs> I just, I just, I'm just happy to be able to say I won on a mold of three once. Yep. True name. True name is a silly card. It's fucking stupid. There was there was really no skill involved in that game, for for a card named uh, skill name brain assist. Oh yeah, I forgot. Game. I forgot. We had we had a patron make a comment that uh, we had to talk about. I had to say that Karn should be banned. So Matt. <laughs> Matt, I got it out of the way. I just said Karn should be banned. Everybody else is listening. I don't I don't think that. But I had to say it so I can keep Matt as a patron. Matt wants Karn banned? I think I think Matt was just fucking with the Discord, but Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta get up on Discord, man. I I've been I golfed on Friday, played in the Grand Prix on Saturday and Sunday, like a barnacle turd, and then golfed today. So I've had my phone in do not disturb mode for at least 48 of the last 96 hours. So there yeah, you go. I, I haven't, I've been neglecting my societal social responsibilities. I would say. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've been hanging out at my parents' house for most of the weekend 
because my little brother is up from Kentucky where he lives. So it was good to get to get a chance to see him. Rock and roll, man. Yeah, I have a ton, I have a ton of uh, messages, but like backlog messages and messenger about different decks and stuff that I haven't even looked at. I know our buddy Teabag Thomas probably probably got some wild shit going on. Our our buddy uh, th- this dude uh, Jesse who's been messaging me about Esper decks. I've got a backlog of those messages too. So I can't wait to jump back into Legacy this week, man. I'm 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 really excited for it now. If people want to be able to get in touch with you without trying to go through your do not disturb mode phone. Yeah, bro, Twitter supersedes all that shit because like Twitter alerts are so much more important than their social media, right? Like I have at least a hundred, probably more like a thousand Facebook alerts that go unnoticed, but Twitter is like way more important because your career could be ended within five minutes if you don't respond to a tweet, right? <laughs> like Twitter, Depends Twitter's, on what you, Twitter's what playing you with fire, bro. Like that—that's that's the fucking real deal. You're 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 all in when you're on Twitter. So that's my home screen, like my Twitter alerts. So at Ian eighteen one twenty five, if people want to blow up, blow you up, make you worried about your future career, how can they do that? Uh, T Smiley MTG and the cast at Dead Format Cast. Dead Format Cast at Gmail and yeah, patreon.com slash the dead format. There we go. All right, that's a wrap, bro.